today we're talking about starting brand new projects. Yeah. Um, you know, you've obviously got projects on the go quite often. Um, I don't start brand new projects very often, but um, I just so happen to be in early talks about one at the moment, uh, just a little freelance project. So um, it's quite a fitting topic for today. So I just want to sort of pick your brains on how you go about starting a project from, you know, the design process, uh, picking out your tools and, you know, how you organize yourself, how you go about coding, how you go about testing, releasing and supporting and just the whole journey, really. Um, so, um, I mean, a little bit about this project that I'm about to embark on. It's just early stages. It's literally just a marketing landing page. But, you know, because it's a, a new project that, that I'm... It, well, because I haven't started a new brand new project in a while, I'm having to think to myself now, what should I do? Should I just create a static HTML page? Shall I pick out something like WordPress or go for a a uh, like a static site generator or you know even reach for a framework um, or a boilerplate or something like that? Um, because if uh, right now it's just a, a landing page, single page, but it could then evolve into a full blown website and then. Do you then start again, or do you just build on what you've already built? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a bit of a learning thing for me, uh, just to just to see what your process is really. So, yeah, maybe if you want to just kick us off and let us know what, how do you go about starting a new project when you get a new client on? Yeah, sure. So, when we take on a new client, it's um, it's a case of you know first having the conversation with them, discussing the requirements, what they're going to need. Um, generally, it's from scratch. There's nothing there already, so there's no existing website. Um, we literally start everything from scratch. All our research, you know, we do competitor research. We look at existing sites out there in the same sort of space, just to get an idea of what's already out there, who's doing what, look and feel, features, functionality, etc. And discuss with the client, you know, what they're going to need. Yeah. So, in terms of especially functionality-wise what's going to be required what's the site going to do and once we've got an idea of that um you know we just go through the very sort of like um initial stages of building like a site map so just understanding the structure of the pages that are going to exist on this website um, along with um very basic wireframes yeah so very very simple kind of layouts of how certain pages are going to look and we don't we don't design we don't wireframe the whole site so we don't go through and do every single page we'll do, we'll mm. do like the home page um, because the home page is very distinctive right it's going to be different to all the other pages and then we'll do you know a content page which will probably be used again and again for other similar pages right and yeah. maybe a variation of the content page just showing how it it can vary with say maybe text on the left image on the right you know grids in there things like that um and are you starting on paper or are you going straight into some sort of tool? yeah so the t we use a tool so you know it'll be done in figma which we've mentioned before um there is another tool that we've come across recently um it's it's like a collaborative um tool which like figma but it's a bit more lo-fi it's a bit more like broken down and bare bones um, and it's purely like, you know, you can use a drawing tablet in there and just sketch stuff out and the client can see you doing it in real time. So you can have like a zoom call, like we're having a, you know, a video call now, and then you can just do it in real time. So we use that sometimes. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's done in Figma and we'll start off really basic using shapes and blocks and things like that. And, um, just kind of highlighting where things are going to appear. So where your menu goes, where images go, where text goes, etc um yeah all that kind of stuff just to get give the client an idea of how things are going to look and how they'll be displayed and we'll do it across mobile and desktop just to give them an idea because you, you you know a lot of the time these, these clients just want to see what it looks like on desktop they just don't consider the mobile view and for web these days it's very important that your mobile uh, view is actually user-friendly uh, fast loading um, and you know it, it serves its purpose on mobile properly because I think yeah, it was. For, I mean, for most projects, it's probably you know the 
the preferred platform. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I th- but I think more so now. Th- th- what happens is with, when clients come on board, they just don't. It's not important for them. So we've got to really push that and kind of say to them, look, you know, just forget about how it looks on desktop. We really got to worry about how it looks on mobile because that's the experience that, you know, Google is essentially looking at that experience, right? So when you're running your ad campaigns, etc., yeah. it's really looking at your mobile. And the recent algorithm update from Google has basically said that mobile is now being indexed before desktop. You've got to think about how people are going to get to your page as well. Yeah. If they're going to be clicking an ad in Facebook, most likely that ad's going to be clicked in the Facebook mobile app. Exactly. So then it will launch the mobile website, for example. Yeah, so we, we push that um, on the wireframe. So mobile first, um, we'll do desktop as well. Um, and that's generally like the very initial stages of how we start the project, um, yeah. the wireframe side of things. And then once the client's kind of happy with how everything's looking, where things are going to be. You know, obviously they're they're going to have their thoughts and opinions about some of these things, and we'll take that on. We'll take that on board. Um, but once that's done, then we'll start fleshing out like a high res design, pixel sort of perfect kind of look and feel with color, stock images in there. Um, if they already have some text available for us, we'll start putting that in at at, the, at that stage, and you know, give them an idea of what an actual website will look like once it's live. And, you know, the cool thing about Figma is you can start prototyping within the design sort of uh, phase as well. So while you're designing it all up, you can start connecting buttons and links to pages and create your animations and things and all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty handy uh, doing all of that at the same time. And uh, then we can share it with the client and they can kind of review the design in real time. We can add notes in there to kind of explain our thinking behind certain things. So, you know, the, ha- mm-hmm. the hamburger menu, you know, what it does, ha- what you're gonna, what do you expect from it when you tap on it on, you know, on a mobile device? Is the menu gonna drop down? Is it gonna push in? Is it gonna slide in? Little things like that. So just mentioning the thought process behind these things, you know, because a lot of the time a client will ask, oh, are we gonna have any kind of like cool bells and whistles? So are things gonna, you know, fade in as you scroll down, and and you can't actually show that in a prototype with Figma. So we kind of annotate that to explain that, you know, you could have this here that could appear over here, little things like that, like a sticky menu. We could, we can't really do that in Figma, but we can annotate it and say, yeah, this will be a sticky menu basically. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, yeah, that's, you know, that's, um, all the design sort of phase done there, prototyping done at the same time. And, and in some cases, I'm just referring back to my notes, in some cases, you know, we will design in the browser. Um, there's times where, just to give you an example, if it's not a full-blown web project, if it's like a landing page, we what we will do is we'll wireframe it in Figma. And then instead of going through the whole design process, we'll just build it up in, in the browser straight away because the chances are we're working on a website that's already there. And then the landing page is an additional page to the existing site. And we'll just go into, say, WordPress and start building out a new template, whether that's from scratch or using a page builder. Um, there's some really cool, um, powerful page builders out there now, um, which you can use to generate your landing pages. Um, Elemental being one of them, and they've got a new feature as part of their recent update, um, which is a landing page feature. So you can actually define a page as a landing page. And so it's completely unique from your content pages and posts on WordPress. So okay, pretty, ha- yeah, pretty handy. Um, so yeah, we'll do we'll design in the browser when it comes to like landing pages like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the camp that I'm from as well. Cause yeah, like I said, I don't work on a lot of new projects very often, um, but little side projects of my own personal things. Um, I tend to start with a bit of sketching on paper first, mm. just to get some just some high level layout and positioning in my head. Um, I don't really go too deep on paper, and then um, from there I tend to go uh, go like like you go to Figma as well, and then start working on um, on wireframing. Um, I don't spend too long in, in, on paper, and I generally don't really show my paper sketches to the client. Mm unless they're really adamant on seeing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's more just for, for me to sort of do a brain dump. Mm. 
Um, but when I'm working on little side projects for myself, like my own personal website, or when I, you know, when I did a redesign of the Inspect website, um, yeah, just did it straight in the browser. Just uh, fired up a local instance and just basically deleted the CSS and start again, or sort of something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, being being a front end developer, that's I feel a bit more comfortable there, making little tweaks there than pushing, you know, pixels around um, in Figma just to try to get things looking perfect. Because then you just don't know how it's going to look once you put it into the browser. You know, you're going to have to make little changes here anyway. Yeah, yeah, right. Because it's it's uh it firstly it's time consuming to design for all the different screen sizes and you know responsive screens mm. in uh, in your design tool, whereas if you can um, get straight into the code, then you know you can see it in real time how it responds to the different browser sizes and different devices, exactly. which is uh, yeah. always a yeah. bonus. Yeah, and then so you know you mentioned WordPress a couple of times, and you're building most of your stuff in WordPress, so. You, yeah, most websites, content managed websites, are we're, we're building in WordPress. Um, there's other tools out there that we use, but they'll be for you know e-commerce projects. So Shopify being one of them. Um, we started using Big Commerce recently, um, and yeah, it, it's it's pretty cool. Um, they basically launched a similar product to Shopify because Big Commerce was this like enterprise level platform, and now they've done a. Uh, a competitor for Shopify, basically. Shopify is like a basic okay. level um, suite. So yeah, you know, it's generally WordPress we use and yeah, and everything that comes with that. So, you know, we'll have like a, a set of plugins which are essential for us to get, uh, you know, the build done and to make sure that, you know, we can work with, with WordPress, um, you know, with relative ease. Um, we don't bloat them. Uh, I've seen a lot of people like I've, I've had access to websites where somebody else has built built it, and there's like fifty to sixty plugins in there. I mean, yeah, just to add in some, just to add in like um, I don't know, the ability to create CSS files and edit your CSS and you know create custom kind of CSS um, files. I'm like, why would you want to do that <laughs> with a plugin that you, sure. yeah, you know and so what we will do is we'll keep it minimum. So things like, you know, if you're going to do page caching, you know, gzips, th things like that, um, to optimize the speed and and that kind of stuff. So we'll use plugins to, you know, do that, backup plugins to, you know, help work with our backup software that we're using. Um, maybe we'll use, you know, seat like a cloud, uh, uh, what, was it, what was it called that we use? We call... Um, Cloudflare and I think Max CDM, which is now Stackpath. Um, so we okay. will we'll use like the APIs for those, and maybe we'll use a plugin to uh, optimize the images on the site as well. So the new um, mm. format, WebP, that kind of stuff. So I guess there's yeah. about six to seven plugins that are there, essential, to, you know, to make sure the website's fast and optimized, etc. So. Or even for um, on-page SEO, so Yoast. I don't know if you remember that when you were using WordPress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, powerful piece of kit, that one. Um, it just makes it easier for, you know, we've got an SEO person on board right now, um, our intern, who manages that. So it's a case of going in there, putting in your keywords, your focus keywords, and then optimizing each page. And it's really handy. Mm. So they're the essential ones we kind of go with. Something like Yoast is worth worth investing in, though, because the the job it does is uh, is quite vast, isn't it? Yeah. And um, trying to set up all that SEO across all of your templates and your pages and your posts uh, manually is just going to be a nightmare. Mm. Whereas some of these smaller plugins that you can get hold of, like you said, to add a bit of CSS or to add, you know, social network yeah. links in your footer yeah. and things like that. Um, you know, obviously they're there for a reason. Me and you, we're web developers, so we know how to dig in and you know get into the back end and and uh, start tinkering. But you know, a lot of a lot of the WordPress users out there are not code savvy, and you know they they need that visual editing experience. So plugins do help them, but yeah, you're definitely right. It does get bloated pretty quick. Um, I haven't done a I haven't done a big WordPress site in a long time. Um, the last one was like a furniture company that I did uh, about seven, eight years ago. 
and um, yeah, try to keep it fairly minimal. But you know, as client uh, requirements increase, then it just becomes like okay, we need to make the editing in the editing experience correct for the client. So we need to install this plugin to allow them to make this change. Um, so you've got to think and you think about your client and in this process as well. What is it like for them? Um, but I mean, for me, my my setup is pretty different because a lot of the sites I build are um, like blogs or small um, like brochure sites, a couple of pages here and there, um, maybe a little bit of JavaScript on them, maybe maybe a form embed or something like that. So nothing too complex. And um, I tend to reach for static site generators. Cool. Um, I've used quite a few. Um, I've used Jekyll in the past. I've used Gatsby, which is which runs on React. Um, but more recently, I've been using one called Eleventy, which um, is a JavaScript-based one, and it's really good. Um, it's fast. It outputs just static HTML, CSS, and minimal amount of JavaScript, uh, depending on what you obviously want to do. And then you could just basically host that wherever you want, right? Because it's just static files. And then in my development process, I'll have a few like NPM packages which help me do certain things. So I'll have, you know, my SAS processing, I'll have my image optimization all done as part of my build process so that the final output is just a, a optimized, clean, static HTML, CSS, JavaScript website, which you can then just, you know, stick on Netlify or just FTP to whichever hosting account you want. Yeah. Um, yeah, Eleventy is really good. I'm, I'm enjoying that one. I I had my own personal site previously built on Gatsby, but it was just getting a bit too much um, having a simple site like that built in React. Um, I found that I was having to jump through a lot of hoops just to get it to do what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, it, it didn't really need that overhead of having React running in the, in the browser. Because if for any reason that doesn't load, then your site doesn't load, right? Yeah. Um, whereas with a static site like it is now, uh, my own personal website, there's there's no risk of it ever not loading, unless you know something goes terribly wrong. But generally, it doesn't. Mm. So yeah, I tend to tend to reach for those. Um, at work, we use Angular. So you know, any any sort of new projects that we do at work, we we're, we're reaching for Angular as a framework. Um, at previous jobs, I've worked in React, um, and then generally just. Uh, you know, just vanilla JS really. Um, we don't really reach for anything else these days. Um, jQuery is pretty much out of the window. We're we're sort of phasing it out mm. in a lot of areas. I think we've still got jQuery in some of our projects yeah. um, at work and you know outside of work as well. But just always looking for ways to phase that out and just make that whole development process as lean as possible. The whole build pipeline. Um, and like you said, with plugins, just try not to rely on too many third-party um, frameworks, plugins, libraries, and so on. Yeah, it's just another overhead. Isn't it, it is. Yeah, I think um, yeah, the JavaScript side of things. You know, when you when we use a theme, I mean, there's this whole school of thought with you know web developers saying, well, you know, you shouldn't you rely on a theme or you shouldn't use themes and you should like build the whole thing from scratch and create your own theme which is great if you've got the time to do it brilliant you know that's a really good way of kind of building with wordpress not relying on third party or off-the-shelf themes but you know time is an issue and we're working on loads of different projects concurrently and we need a, a workflow that's streamlined enough for us to get stuff done quickly um so you know we've got two themes that we've tried and tested and they are about as vanilla as as you can get and they've literally they've got the things we really need to have access to so for example being able to kind of edit your um header in in wordpress like usually you you, you don't really have access to that you can just you know you can change your logo and you change your menu and that's mm. about it um you know we use a theme called neve um, N-E-V-E, and it's got the customizers really powerful with that, and it allows you to go in there and actually modify the header and drop in additional HTML elements if you wanted to. So 
you know, you can put a phone number in there. You can put a tap to call little feature in there. You can, um, you know, split the header up into three rows if you wanted to. Um, you know, it's just really powerful. So we've kind of, we wanted that kind of feature because um, it, it helps you to kind of set different headers and menus for different landing pages. So you can actually remove the header and, and menu from a certain landing page just by using that tool. Yeah. It's pretty handy. So it just makes our life easier. And then what we will do is off that theme, we'll create a child theme, which you probably know about the whole, uh, the reasoning mm -hmm. behind yeah. that, right? Um, so... Yeah, and then that's where all our customization takes place in the child theme. So we'll get, you know, we'll use our own functions.php file and we'll just create our own sort of custom functions in there. And do you want to just quickly explain what a child theme is in case people don't know? Yeah, so you know, when you when you get a theme, it's um it is generally kind of um includes like your styling, the little the layout for pages and all that kind of stuff. And the general look and feel and you can kind of change that in the options within that theme but what happens is once you've got um, a theme set up on your website the theme developers at some point will release an update for that theme right and the idea is you just kind of hit update and then it will just update everything now if you're going to customize that theme which is what we do like we customize the hell out of it we you know we work with our own sort of uh, PHP templates for certain pages, etc. Um, so we do a lot of that customization, and when you do that, you need to do it in a child theme, basically. And what that allows you to do is, if there's any updates for that theme in the future, you're not kind of interfering with those with the child theme. So you can update the theme, and because you've got the child theme there, it won't affect any of the changes you've done. So it won't overwrite them or break your yeah. site kind of thing. So it was yeah, a similar concept to like version control, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Where, you know, you're going to work on a new feature of something, you branch off, and then if someone else in your team happens to push their work into master branch, it doesn't affect yours then. So yeah. It's, it's handy. It's a basic concept. Yeah. It's really handy. And, you know, I've noticed a lot of people, when we've looked at websites built by other people, we've <laughs> noticed there's no child theme in there, and it's like, oh, God, they've made so many changes. Like, they've actually gone in there and made changes to the HTML, CSS, things like that and then yeah. you know then when was child themes introduced into wordpress i, I don't know maybe about I, six seven years ago it's pretty old yeah it's been around the concept's been around for a while yeah, yeah. um yeah i bet there's um loads of themes still in the marketplace though that don't have the ability to have a child theme mm. i don't know can you just have a child theme for any theme that's out there already this is the thing the theme's got to be done according to wordpress's um sort of like um format so there's a certain way it's got to be done and yeah. as long as it's not just a case of just adding no, a child theme with the same name not at all because we've tr tried that in the past like we've used this um this is really popular child um theme generator it's, it's a plugin and what it will do is it will basically check your existing theme to see if it's compatible with the ability to create a child theme and it allows you okay. to basically you type in the name of the new theme the author etc put some notes in there and then you can kind of define you know your css your js files and all that you can really you know drill down in there and kind of organize your child theme um fully customize it and then hit generate and then it will just create it for you and then you know this is a case of working off that now i've i've worked with that a few times where there's been a scenario clients built their website themselves and they've got to a stage where you know they want to kind of say okay look you want to you can go away recreate build it from scratch etc and but they're happy with the theme they're using right because it's got all the bells and whistles that that they want but what we will try and do is create a child theme off the back of it using that generator plugin but then it throws up an error saying that the themes aren't compatible and it's not going to work and that's when you get, okay, it's not going to work like that. Then maybe we can try manually. So you'll go into your FTP folders and just create your um, child folder, et cetera. And then you've got to kind of mess around there to try and get it all working. So things like calling a CSS files, like the theme will be using the old format of including a CSS file, um, which isn't recommended by WordPress anymore. So there's things like that that you need to kind of get around. Um, but I guess nine times out of 10, the themes that are out there 
are well supported. So they'll just work out of the box when you are creating a child theme. Yeah. yeah. So you've essentially got these couple of themes that you use to customize all your projects. So you've got these like boilerplate. That's that it. Reach for. And we just reuse them. Yeah. Because yeah. all the page templates are ready and we just reuse it again and again and again. Yeah. And I think that's, that's totally fine. You know, even, um, you know, in your line of work where you're, where you are obviously charging clients for work. Um, I, I wouldn't ever consider that as taking any sort of shortcut because, um, you know, at one of my previous jobs, I worked for IBM and, IBM's not a small, no. small little design shop, is <laughs> no, it? No. And um, we worked, we worked in the same way. We had a boilerplate, and every single one of our projects um, started from this boilerplate project. All right, the boilerplate was pretty big. You know, it was a, a Java backend with a uh, Adobe Experience Manager front end on it. Um, so it's pretty big, but it had loads of custom components that we had created over the years. Add all of our custom functions and CSS and just just everything. You know, it integrated with our backend APIs, it integrated with our third party software and with our other middleware and stuff like that. So why would you then go and rewrite that every single exactly. time? Of course you wouldn't. Yeah. This that's like saying I'm not going to use jQuery mm. because I'm going to write all of my JavaScript from scratch every single time. Of course you're not. So yeah, if you've got a good theme and um you can you can customize it enough to, you know, give yourself a lot of unique options. Mm. Then, by all means, go for it. So that's, it's a good, it's a good thing to have. Yeah, I think so. And it, you know, it really helps with our workflow. You know, we're able to just get stuff done really quickly. Like we don't need to have to go in there and look for stuff. Like, how do I do this? How do we get that working? And, you know, we know the themes that we're using inside out, and we know exactly where all the options are to get these things sort of like working. But then the rest of it is all literally done through um, the functions.php file, which is like, you know, a, a godsend in WordPress. So we overwrite existing functions and stuff. So especially with WooCommerce, um, we're able to kind of overwrite a lot of stuff in there and just customize the whole checkout process if it's an e-commerce site. Um, yeah. Really powerful. And the same is with um, static site generators, the static site generators that I use as well. They're, they've got the same concept. You go into their websites and they have loads of um, like starter templates. Yeah. So they'll have a starter template for a blog, for a podcast, uh, you know, for an, a basic e-commerce site, mm. whatever, you know. Uh, and then they'll have various different styles in those as well. You might have a minimal blog. You might have one that's very um, like photo focused yeah. for photographers. Yeah. Um, you might have something that's got an audio player embedded into it, stuff <clears> like that. And, um, you know... They're there for a reason. They're there to get you started um, as quick as possible, and then they give you, uh, you know, the tools that you need to customize. My own personal website, pretty simple, but I started with a template as well. Um, I found some, uh, like a eleven T template on GitHub, which was really nice. It had um, a lot of SEO built in. It had like um, uh, SVG icon uh, handling in there. That's um, handy, yeah. It had, yeah, it had like its own development server built in. Um, it had a good build process. It had SaaS built in. Mm. So all these things were already wired up. Yeah, yeah. Which saved me, probably saved me a day's worth of work, right? Yeah, Just using this template. exactly. All I did was I installed the template into my local repository, mm. deleted the CSS file, and then started hacking away at the templates, and off you go. It's basically starting from scratch, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, we what we'll do is we'll start building our own templates to kind of fit in with it, you know, with the, the child theme. And that's the real fun bit, you know, when you open up um, VS code and you start writing HTML, because that's, that's the part where when you're working with themes, you kind of like don't do a lot of that writing code. There's, there's not a lot of that going on, but when you're creating your own landing pages and, you know, custom headers and for example, custom post types, and you know your your own fields and things like for you know creating real really really custom content um like for example there's a site we're doing for a um for hiring villas a villa hire in in marrakesh and a lot of that i've wrote from scratch using custom post types so i've not used any third-party plugins you know to man to create a property and manage it etc so you you know, it's all done by a click of a button. It's literally 
custom post types. I've created a custom post type called Villas. You go create new villa. You can add in the name of the villa, the location, whack in the Google location for it. And it spits out mm. a page with your gallery, a nice background image, you know, the description of it, a nice little accordion in there. Um, icons for things like, you know, restaurants, bars, you know, sporting activities, etc. And there's an inquiry form in there as well. And I've done all of that using custom post types, which is, you know, pretty cool. It took a bit of time to do it, but that's ready now. That's ready to go. So if anything comes across, we get a client with a similar kind of project, we can just kind of roll that out and kind of, you know, reuse it. And um, it's really fun. That's, that's the goal, isn't it? Yeah. You're just building up your own little library of uh, functionality that you can yeah even with um the media queries <laughs> some of these um themes that get rolled out i mean th they don't cover every possible media query i mean you wouldn't need to but there's instances where you want to do that so you know you've got the, the ability to actually go in there and just write fresh media queries you know for you know if you're targeting specific devices you can do that with ease yeah and you know that's really handy um, being able to override yeah cool cool sounds good yeah all right so your design's done your wireframing your prototyping your your hi-fi designs your development it's all it's all done now right and you're working uh, at a good pace now what do you do in terms of like keeping your client in the loop um showing them progress or you know just showing them prototypes um how do you do that, especially working with WordPress? Because I'm assuming that you've got WordPress running locally um, for for quite a while first before you put it into any sort of server, live server. Yeah, so... How do you handle that? Yeah, so we'll, we'll build the site locally using um, local. It's called local uh, by Flywheel. I don't know if you've heard of it. I think I might have mentioned it before. Yeah, I've used it, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so we use that. And for those who don't know, it's very similar to like WAMP and MAMP and all those kind of... Um, tools that you can use to build um like a local yeah, site. Yeah, so basically just creates you a um a PHP compatible local de development environment That's it. which is uh, and and local but the flywheel one is um geared especially towards WordPress. Exactly. So yeah. It's just and one click one click install for WordPress and does all your port routing and sets up your local host and, mm. and everything like that. It's really good. Yeah, really handy piece of kit and that's what I needed. I needed something that was pretty instant and that does the job so we'll build the local version of the site we'll get it to a level where you know it's all kind of um i guess you know where the client can actually look at it and say okay i'm happy with that like sign off the build and they're generally happy with it to be kind of staged if you like and then from that sort of stage i mean while we're working on that, we're, you know, communicating with the client using, we'll, we'll either use Slack or we'll use tools like uh, ClickUp or Trello to kind of let them know um, about where we're at in the projects, you know. So, yeah. you know, what's actually going on within the projects? Where are we? Like, you know, we're right now we're probably, you know, we're prototyping or, you know, we just finished a design phase. Um, we could be building within local and just kind of showing them progress and so we've got all of this going on um and then the communication side is really important so it's 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 an awkward one because the client always resorts back to email <laughs> and you know we don't really kind of want that to happen we kind of just want it to flow nicely you know and slack and or click up or trello is a great way to do those conversations because you know exactly what you're talking about rather than having to yeah. kind of revert through an email trail, um, especially when you're sharing links to your, you know, your local environment, et cetera. Um, you know, just going through your emails and just trying to find the link and the comments that were left for it. And so it's a bit of a nightmare scenario when they revert to email, but, you know, we try to just keep everything in Slack. So is that how you show the project to your client by using, because I know Flywheel's got like a, uh, a development server built in where you can run the project locally, but, uh, like publish it onto a public URL. Yeah. Is that how you show it to? Yeah, people? so it, it is. It's an awkward one because the what with the feature that it's got built in, it's not great. Um, what it does is it will work perfectly fine, but if you're if you've got too many resources, so things like JavaScript, um, 
things like that. If you're calling a lot of JavaScript files, CSS files, it, it sees them as resources and then it will kind of stop working once you hit a limit, right? Um, it's using a third party uh, platform to basically serve that. And you don't pay for it, it's completely free. And that's, that's the downside to it. So it limits you to the number of resources you can actually serve on a page. Now, if your website's very lightweight, it'll work fine. But if there's a lot going on, chances are it's gonna stop working. So we do have that issue. Now, the way you get around that is by, you pay for um, local, uh, their pro package, if you like. And then you, you've got to kind of use like a, a hosting um, service provided by, by Flywheel themselves. And it integrates with local. And then you can literally just serve it, uh, that link directly through that hosting environment that they've got set up for you, which works with your local, um, your local installation as well. Okay. So that's, that's what they try and push you to do. They try and get you to kind of pay for it and, you know, to get the whole thing um, running yeah, properly, sure. if you like, which makes sense. You know, if I'd recommend it, right? But when we've got multiple sites we're working on, that means, you know, an, a purchase for each one, right? Um, and then they have an, I think they have an agency package, which is like, it's really expensive and, We'd rather not do that, you know. So what we'll do is we'll get it to a level on local where we're happy with it. Client can actually see it working fine. If we come across any issues where resources are being exhausted, then it's a case of just kind of migrating that across to our um, staging environment, which is visible on the web. So we'll run that off like a subdomain, basically. And okay. Yeah, so, you know, we'll just do that. Um and then they've got access to it and there's no issues there. And yeah, so that's, that's generally you know, how, it, how it works with us. But that's the only issue that I found with local when you're using it to, and you run a, like a live link, that's what it's called, a live link. Um, okay. Yeah, it just, yeah, it can't handle <laughs> too many resources. Yeah, I tend to use Netlify for, for my projects. Um, integrates nicely with GitHub and uh, my Git process. And um, Netlify, they give you a a like a unique URL. Um, they auto generate a unique URL, but then you can go and customize it. And so it could be something like you know myproject.netlify.app would be your uh, your custom URL. And um, you can pretty much just preview the whole site as if it was a live site on there. Um, there's a lot of people who have launched little side projects and just kept the Netlify URL yeah. as as the official URL for it. Um, but the beauty of that is once you then um once you're happy with your project or once you've now finally decided on your domain name or whatever it is um it's just a case of updating your dns and then you can point that temporary site to your live url so it's mm. hardly any work to get your site live then and it's good um so netlify also let you they they obviously build your your master branch which becomes your live mm. version but then you can also build yeah. um, any feature branches as well to create um, to create like staging sites or just to host a particular feature. So you can test those features on the live URL before you merge them into your master branch. Uh, they've they've sussed that out really well. Yeah, local have that have all those features available as well. When you pay for it for the pro pro version, you yeah, get. I wonder if they. Um, I wonder if local is using Netlify in the background. Netlify seem to be just. Um, hosting for everyone at the moment. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I know they work. It works really well with WP Engine, which is another one of these uh, WordPress hosting um, platforms or providers. Hmm. Um, we use. Um, so we've got the, our hosting company um, that we use. They they actually launched their own WordPress platform. Their WordPress hosting platform called Onyx. And it's basically WP Engine or um, uh, Flywheel. It's exactly the same as those kind of platforms, right? But it's their own one. They've kind of tailored it for fast, very, very fast loading. Like they actually stay on there. It's probably the fastest one out there. And that's saying something. So yeah. we use that. And it's got, you know, Git built into it. So you've got it's got full version control in there. And it allows you to create your staging site and your live site, and that's what that's generally what we use. So 
we've got the local version and then once that's we're happy with everything there we'll kind of migrate it across to that environment where we've got the staging version of the site and then the live version um running you know at the same time and it runs your backups you know every hour if you want daily wherever you want it's all running there and it's a very powerful piece of kit um you know yeah you know it, it can get pricey but it does everything you want it to do as well um yeah they're really handy i mean if anyone getting into wordpress development i think using one of those tools uh, whether it's wp engine flywheel local um onyx you know highly recommend it yeah excellent yeah we should probably do a little deep dive into wordpress i need to use it a bit more i haven't used it in a long time not not to any real extent apart from just creating a blog yeah um i haven't really done any um e-commerce with wordpress or anything like that mm. yeah so once you're once you're done with your site and you've got it live um do you tend to have like a retainer with most of your clients or do you ever sort of just wrap things up and hand over and then you're done well this is the thing isn't it it's um usually we'll kind of set that out before we start the project so you know they'll look at our proposal and that will be mentioned in the proposal as you know as an additional part of it so like a retainer mm. for maintenance because it's required right it's wordpress and update security updates are very important and we've all seen what happens when you don't keep your wordpress site up to date you know things just fall apart so yeah. we try and push that and most of the time the clients go with it and even if it's the most minimal level of maintenance you know they're happy with that and we'll, we'll, we'll look after the site so yeah, you know, we're there constantly uh, monitoring it, making sure um, uh, we, we won't hit update. If an update comes out, we won't hit the update button straight away because it's a case of checking if those six or seven plugins that we're using, including the, the parent theme, if they're compatible with that update, great. If it ticks all the boxes, then we'll go ahead and do it. But we'll only go and do it on our sort of staging version or test version of the site first make sure everything's working fine and then we'll push all the changes to the live site so yeah that's that's part of our kind of maintenance um package that we provide um but then yeah like with some clients out there that we build websites for it's a case of websites built it's live have a look at it we'll give them a 14 day period if they want to make any kind of changes if they've changed their mind about certain things and then we'll kind of you know if they do have minor changes they want to make we'll do that within that 14 day period and then it will be a case of see you later kind of thing and if they need anything after that then they can reach out to us and let us know if they want any kind of additional things like a landing page if they want to start a marketing campaign a digital marketing campaign they're going to need um you know unique landing pages for that to be success successful um so that's when we'll get back involved with them but you know, we have had clients who just kind of say, all we need is a website. We don't need anything else. So, yeah. And yeah. But we look, we, we try and educate them all to let them know, look, it's WordPress. It has regular um, security updates, which are required. And we highly recommend you take a minimum, you know, retainer from us and allow us to do those updates for you. Because the last thing we want is a site hacked on our server especially if it's on our, on our server and our hosting environment. We don't want any kind of issue like that. So, yeah, you know, we kind of stay on top of it, try and stay on top of it. Yeah, you're better off staying on top of it while you can because if you just let it sit there for two, three years and then you have to come back and make a change and now you've got a massive upgrade to do first because nothing's compatible, this, you know, yeah. the industry's moved on Yeah, and you're kind of left behind and then that that retainer bill, which may have been minimal, can now turn into a big one-off uh cost you know just to to get you back up to speed yeah i've had clients who've actually had to fork out for you know three to four days work yeah because they decided they didn't want to pay a retainer but now they've paid for three to four days work for me to get everything back to you know up to date if you like from a wordpress a wordpress installation which was about five five years old or something which was never updated right so yeah yeah, so it's a big process, isn't mm, it? it? It's not just you know design a site and put it live. It's it's a lot to take on. Yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot to it, and look, I think you've got to be transparent with the client from the beginning. You've got to let them know about these things because they don't want to hear about it afterwards, right? 
you just got to let them know right from the start this is what's involved and we recommend this this and this at the end to make sure everything's still smooth because look we want to keep their business right we don't want them going elsewhere so we try and keep everything as transparent as possible yeah nice okay anything else that we missed uh so we've covered the design we've covered the sort of frameworks and tool sets we've uh, the build process, the client communication, the handover, all that sort of stuff. So I think we've covered the whole gamut, really, of starting new projects. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you're going you're gonna to recommend WordPress, right, <laughs> going, going forward. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I would recommend, really. Yeah, I, I suppose it just depends on the, the scope of the project, you know. If it's something small, yeah, it is. have a look at static site generators. They're, they're, they're really easy to pick up and, you know, they're, they're actually quite fun to work with as well because you can... It's more than just writing plain HTML. Mm. You are adding a lot of logic in there. Um, it's it's similar to writing something like PHP. Um, but what you end up with in the end is a, a very lightweight, simple site. But then, you know, if you need to reach for something a bit more heavyweight, whether that is WordPress or whether that is a different CMS, then um, depends on the job really, isn't it? Yeah, I think one of the key benefits of these static site generators is the fact that they're so lightweight. When you one of the bits that we actually I've actually missed out on my process was the testing part of the site, so making sure mm. load speeds are up there um, with Google's um, recommendations. And yeah. the thing with WordPress is like a word of warning is, you know, there's a lot there and there's a lot of resources that it's basically pulling each time it's loading in a browser. So you've got you know your java your jquery libraries in there you've probably got you know your font awesome um calls in there you've got you know maybe this ajax and there's all kinds of stuff now the more plugins you add the more it's going to add on top of that right and it just of course slows down your load times so you're just going to be very wary about that but i think these um site generators that you're using they avoid a lot of that and in comparison i think they just beat wordpress when it comes to load times like I don't think any. They do, yeah. Generally, you know, the the Google Lighthouse score mm. is always in the high nineties. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I think you you must be doing something pretty wrong to get below ninety. Yeah. Um, I think my site is on ninety nine or hundred at the moment. Mm. Um, yeah. The reason is it's doing all that heavy lifting as part of your build process, so it's doing all your image optimization, all of your template processing, all of your SAS, your CSS processing, your JavaScript bundling, and uh, your minification and all that sort of stuff is happening in your build process, which can take a, a bit of time sometimes, you know, as your site get, grows. Um, you know, if you've got a blog with, say, 500 posts on it, that build process could take best part of 10 minutes maybe, right? Which is quite a long time. Every time you hit save, you know, you might have to wait a few minutes yeah. for it to refresh. Yeah. So it can add up. But what you end up with at the end is a very clean lightweight website so it's your your whereas wordpress is doing all that processing on the fly on the server side it's you know every time a person goes to a page then having to look through the database find the content and serve it up to you whereas uh, the, the the static sites are doing all that processing um, offline and then giving you your final result mm. the downside is is you don't always get the you don't get real-time information because you always have to run a build to update your website. Mm. So if if so if a client if a, a visitor was on your website currently and you wanted to push them an update, they wouldn't get that update until that build process completes. Whereas with the WordPress, if they refresh the page, they'll get whatever's the latest. That's right. Always. Yeah. So there's you know it's a bit more nuanced than, than that. There are, there are ways of. Um, having that build process be automated. Yeah. Um, but there is still going to be a bit of a delay. Yeah. You could end up with a slightly old version of your site, um, a, a person viewing a slightly ver older version of your site. Mm. Yeah, we, we get with, Word, with WordPress, we'll use a caching plugin to help speed the process up. So it will do all the minification for you. It'll build static pages, um, leverage browser caching, all that kind of stuff, like the really important bits and pieces. And, once you get that right with the right plugin, um, there is one that we use. Maybe we can do another episode talking about some of these plugins, like essential plugins. But there's yeah. one that we use, and there's some settings on there which we kind of make sure we replicate across every site. And 
it tends to always give us a, a score like in like the 90s if you like 80 90 if you like um so just making sure that those settings are done and your caching's there it helps but then you've got the problem of client making changes to their site saving unable to see the changes you've got a reminder to clear the page cache <laughs> so you get that yeah. you get that issue but then you can kind of set your your you know your your settings within that plugin to kind of clear the cache on the fly if you like after x amount of days or whatever you like so yeah yeah, yeah. okay cool cool good stuff um i think that's pretty much covered it um so yeah that's how you start a new project these days so if you're gonna start one pick something like that <laughs> hopefully this was useful um yeah I, I, i've got some ideas because uh, i think this landing page that i'm currently working on i think it is going to end up in wordpress um you know the client has thrown the wordpress name out there a few times in conversations so yeah. i think that's where it'll end up and it always gets mentioned with so, me as well that that's it's yeah, always thrown it's in. fine yeah yeah it's fine it's all good all right good stuff um catch up with you next time yeah we should catch up then bye thank you for listening to today's show be sure to subscribe in your podcast player and feel free to drop us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts. You can follow the show on Twitter at InspectFM and you can find the show notes for today's episode and a full archive of all shows over at inspect.fm. You know how I'm always getting like dry mouth when mm -hmm. I record? I'm always coughing and stuff. I'm trying a beer today. Beer? See if that fixes it. Which beer? I am having a Brewdog. Brewdog. Yeah, you can't go wrong with the Hazy Jane. Yeah. Hazy Jane. Hazy Jane's good, man. Yeah. What you got? I've just got a pint of water. That's it. No, I'm I'm literally just have, trying a beer just to see if it you know, feels different on my throat. Because whenever I drink water when I'm recording, my throat goes so dry. And I don't know what it is. It's just like the complete opposite of what water should be doing. And uh, I just keep keep having to clear my throat and i've tried hot drinks i've tried cold drinks I don't it's know. that when you're talking and you're talking a lot your mouth starts to get drier and drier and then you just want to take a sip of the water water's probably the worst thing to have because it'll go down the wrong yeah. way it's weird like, isn't it? yeah it's weird beer doesn't beer doesn't do that it's weird <laughs> yeah but like like i said I've, I've tried hot drinks as well i thought maybe you know my throat needs warming up or something mm. or i don't know what it is so let's experiment I think I might need to hit the harder stuff next time. Try, um, you want to try a stout or something smooth. Yeah, yeah, like that's a, probably like a, a good Guinness stout. or something like that. That, that, that'd be good. Get a John Smith's. Yeah, John Smith's better. <laughs> I like John Smith's. Prefer John Smith's to Guinness. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah, I, I had it a while ago. It is very smooth. You forget, you almost forget you're drinking alcohol. Yeah, you soon remember though, isn't it? <laughs>